Welcome to the Safina Society podcast in the S Solo Cake Edition. Um, we're going to be uh, discussing today a case that was recently decided by the United States Supreme Court called Masterpiece Cake Shop versus the Colorado State Civil Rights Commission. Um, I'm going to be doing a couple of things. First, we're going to look at the background of the case a little bit. We're going to start with that. Um, and then I'm going to uh, try to address why we're discussing this case at all, what, what, why it matters, why this is something that the Safina Society podcast would be looking into. And then finally, I'll talk a little bit in more detail about the holding in the case and what it does or doesn't mean. So just to get started, this case begins in 2012 in the state of Colorado. Um, two homosexual men who were had applied for a marriage license in the state of Massachusetts because marriage was still not marriage between two men and two women was still not recognized in the state of Colorado where they resided. They applied for their license in the state of Massachusetts, and they were going to have a party to celebrate the issuance of that license in Colorado. They uh, went to a shop, a bakery in Colorado that was known for making custom cakes. Um, that cake shop is the Masterpiece Cake Shop. The owner of it is a gentleman named Jack Phillips. Um, these two gay men and one of their mothers went to Mr. Phillips's cake shop and uh, sat down and requested that he make a cake for their celebration of their um, gay quote-unquote marriage. Um, Mr. Phillips explained to them that as a Christian baker he, or as a Christian uh, business owner, he did not um, feel comfortable making a cake in order to celebrate this event that they wanted to celebrate, and so he would not be able to provide that cake for them. Uh, they were, uh, according to the record, upset. They eventually filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which is a government body that oversees uh, violations of anti-discrimination laws, etc. Uh, that commission ruled against Mr. Phillips, said that in fact he did have to make them a cake, even though his, even though doing so went against his Christian beliefs, um, he appealed it to the state level appellate court. That court upheld the commission's ruling, and then he appealed to the Supreme Court. And at the Supreme Court level, the case was, or rather, the decision of the Civil Rights Commission was reversed. So that's the brief overview of the case. Um, there's more details, and we'll get into those once we discuss once we discuss the ruling itself, etc. Um, but those those are the broad strokes of what happened in this case. The reason that I'm discussing this, um, there's a couple of reasons. One is that there was some questions after the ruling came out um, beforehand as well. But once the ruling came out, uh, there were some questions of interpretation. What does it actually mean? What was what does the holding? Uh, going forward, what is that holding, what effect is that going to have on various issues that may or may not have been addressed. Um, 
even I've been asked that by people online, but also in real life. Um, and the secondary reason, which I'm about to get into, is that leading up to the case, leading up to the Supreme Court hearing, uh, a number of prominent organizations with Islamic or Muslim in their name, like the Muslim Public Affairs Council, um, notably, submitted what are called amicai briefs, which is uh, you write a brief in support of one side or another when there's a pending case, and you submit that to the court, making an argument for why you think that the, the court should rule one way or another. So it's a legal argument. Um, and you submit that on behalf of one side or the other um, in, in a pending case. Um, there were Muslim groups or groups with the word Islam or Muslim in their title that submitted briefs on behalf of the two homosexual men that wanted to force this baker to make them a cake. Uh, that's concerning and it's a problem. Following the ruling, several prominent Muslim figures and organizations uh, expressed their disappointment um, with the ruling, some of them saying we still stand by the LGBT community and things of that nature. And this is again very concerning and disappointing. So I want to address um, why, as far as I can tell, and I've done a lot of reading on this and I, I've researched the issue um, regarding this case, why these Muslim groups and individuals would take a position that seems contrary to what our religion teaches. And as far as I can tell, there's three general uh, groups of Muslims who take this kind of position or who took the position in support of the two gay men and against the, uh, the position of Mr. Phillips that his religion prevented him from doing this. Uh, the first type of Muslim or Muslim group that does this are the people who are... They may not agree with uh, gay marriage as an idea, conceptually. They might disagree. They might be well aware that Islam prohibits this, that there is no place for this in our Sharia. But they nevertheless feel that there is some practical benefit in supporting uh, gay marriage, either because they think that that will help them get some gains in terms of anti-discrimination or civil rights issues for themselves, um, or although it's kind of the same thing, they're afraid that if Mr. Phillips was allowed to not, to refuse to make a cake for this specific event, that that somehow would open up the floodgates of discrimination against them on the basis of their religion or their national origin, their race or their ethnicity, whatever, right? So the long and the short of it is they're taking a pragmatic or what they think is a pragmatic view of the issue, which is it doesn't matter whether we support gay marriage as a concept, or even if we are completely put off by it, but we're still going to support this issue because we're afraid that if we don't, or if this case doesn't succeed, that then that'll put us in harm's way in some, in some, some idea that they have of what's going to happen to them because of it. And, I mean, the only thing to say to that is, I mean, they're obviously wrong. Um, just from, like, the progressive politics side of it, 
right, leaving religion aside for a second, they're wrong because you don't support a so-called ally group just for what it means for you. You're supposed to support them, uh, you know, genuinely and f for their own sake, right? Like, if you're going to support these people, you should support them no matter what it means for you, even if it puts you at greater risk. And that's not the position that these people are taking. Um, and just to illustrate how, how that would make more sense, maybe, say that uh, you have a group of a Muslim organization that say that they support uh, Black Lives Matter, right? Without getting into all the details of what that entails. But say that they support, um, you know, a, a African-American group that's against police brutality. But they don't do it because they, they really care about police brutality against African-Americans. In fact, it doesn't make any difference to them objectively. The only reason they're doing it is because they think that that'll get them some kind of gain, right? So it's, it's, it's Machiavellian, it's hypocritical. You know, we're not doing Sun Tzu out here where the enemy of my enemy is my ally. We're supposed to be standing for issues on a moral, ethical basis, what we really believe in, right? And these people aren't doing that. They're not doing what they really believe in. They're just trying to look out for themselves. So just on that level, it's a little gross, and um, I don't see how anybody can accept that allyship. You know what's a good what's a good analogy? The way that fundamentalist evangelical Christians are the biggest supporters of the state of Israel, and not just as it's constituted now, but they would support more settlements and more expansion. Because they love Jewish people? No, not at all. In fact, a lot of them really don't like Jews. Not at all. But their, their belief and their... Uh, millennialist belief, and that's not the same as a millennial. And the millennialist belief is that if the state of Israel is fully established and you know ruled over by the Jews or whatever, that that will trigger the second coming of Isa, and that in that second coming, they'll all be raised up to heaven, raptured, and then everybody else who doesn't believe in Jesus will be wiped out, including the very people that they're assisting, the Jews in Israel. So. That's the kind of support that this first group of Muslims is lending to, to this gay marriage stuff. And just on that level, it's hypocritical. But more importantly, more significantly, is a fundamental misunderstanding of theology, of Aqidah. Because you're supporting something that you know is offensive to God and that God has prohibited for no reason other than you fear some this-worldly harm may come to you or you expect some benefit in this world will come to you from taking that position. And that belies a total misunderstanding, a total misreading of the sunnah of Allah. That's not how that works at all. You're not going to prevent a harm in this world or attain unto some gain in this world by contravening what Allah and His Messenger have given us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's just not how it works. You don't, you don't harm your afterlife and expect to benefit in this life. You're losing in both. It's, it's the equivalent of saying, I would like more money, or I fear, I fear that I, don't, I won't have enough money, so I'm going to cheat my employees, cheat my customers, cheat my, my, my bosses, I'm going to lie, I'm going to steal, I'm going to violate contracts, I'm going to sell alcohol, I'm going to engage in drug dealing or prostitution, anything that is contradict that contradicts the Sharia, I'm going to do that to have some worldly gain and that that's going to work out. It's not going to work out. You should know that Allah alone provides risk and that 
you don't gain in your risk by doing something that's haram. Similarly, Allah alone is your protector. And so you don't gain protection and you don't avoid harms by supporting or doing something that Allah and His Messenger وسلم, are offended by and have specifically ruled against. It's plain and simple. This is a lack of tawakul and it's a misunderstanding of aqidah. And rather than going, going out of the way to publicly support something that you know is wrong, you should just, you know, I don't know, give yourself a, 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 a word in the morning and evening of saying a hundred times Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil until it settles in your heart. And that will actually benefit you more. And I, I speak to myself when I say that because we all have these, these, these failings in life, right? We all come short sometimes when it comes to relying on Allah and really internalizing the fact that only Allah benefits. But it's, it's, it's fundamental and vital that we do so. So that's the first group. Then there's a second group of Muslims who are not, you know, craving opportunists and are not doing it for those reasons. They sincerely believe that this is a good thing. And they don't care that the Sharia is opposed to it. And they don't care that it's offensive to God. Their position is that, you know, some idea of romantic love is, you know, superior to religious uh, rulings or religion itself in that um, whether Islam or the Sharia is opposed to something is irrelevant to them as far as they're concerned this is uh, this supersedes that it's more important it's more valuable and you know bottom line they're just going to support it regardless of what the, the, the sacred law says and I, you know there's not much to be said about that it's pretty self-evident that they're completely wrong on it then there's a third group, um, and really there, there's two, two and a half subgroups to this. Um, these are the people who do care what the position of the sacred law is. They do. You know, the first group, they they may know it. They may even care what it says, but they're trying. They think that they're taking a practical or pragmatic position, and so they're gonna. They give themselves an excuse to obviate. Um, what the religious law holds so that they can, you know, benefit or avoid harm or whatever. So they know that it's wrong and it does matter to them that it's wrong. They themselves wouldn't engage in it, but they give themselves an excuse to support this in this, in this public uh, sphere. The second group doesn't care what Allah says and so we don't care about what they say. And then there's this third umbrella group that has some subgroups to it and that is the people who do care. And they do know that rather they do care and they may or may not be aware of what exactly the ruling is and this is uh, the first subgroup is those who they care what Allah says and they want to obey Allah and they want to avoid offending God and avoid supporting something that's offensive to Allah and His Messenger however in their reading of the law on this they've just misunderstood it they've misread it you know whether they're following uh, a some misguided reading from um, some other source or they themselves are going to the source material reading it and misinterpreting it um, sometimes this is a sincere misinterpretation and sometimes they kind of just want to get to where they want to get to so they misread it on purpose but I'm only talking about the sincere people these are people who sincerely care about what Allah wants from them 
However, when examining this issue, they've examined it for themselves and they've come up with the, to the, with the wrong conclusion either because they misread it, they don't have the ability to properly read the source, uh, the, the, uh, the sources, or they're just not capable of the type of high legal reasoning that is necessary for one to derive a ruling. You know, they're not scholars in any sense of it. They're sometimes not even reading it in the original language. So they're just making these these assumptions and they're coming to the wrong conclusion and they think that it's permissible and so because of that they support gay marriage um, there's a second subgroup who understand the ruling correctly however they see in, they see uh, sort of an exception in this context not for their own personal gain like that first group we talked about the first first group but rather they just think that it's a situation where in these are non-Muslim laws. It's a non-Muslim country. We should. We, there's no reason for us to really oppose what non-Muslims do, um, which is one one thing. And then they go further and say well, we should just support their right to do whatever it is that they're choosing to do um, in their land, in a non-Muslim land under non-Muslim rule. Um, and they cite it. The, I've seen it several times from different uh, individuals that hold this position that they cite the precedent. Um, the historical precedent in Muslim lands where religious authorities and governmental authorities would allow people of other religions to do things and engage in activities which are offensive to the Sharia and that are prohibited to Muslims, but because it was a feature of their religion, those other people's religion, it was permitted. And the prime example that's cited for this is Zoroastrians living in Muslim lands, one of the features of their, of their religion is that they can sometimes um, intermarry among close blood relatives, not just cousins, and brother and sister, right? So that's incest. It's complete. It's obviously it's offensive. It's offensive to um, most people, most cultures historically, and it's a, it's not prohibit. It's prohibited in Islam, but because these people had their own religion, they were allowed to to carry out that practice as offensive as it might seem. And so they extrapolate from that and draw an analogy and say, well, similarly, if these people think that getting married, getting married between two men and two women is okay, then we shouldn't have anything to say about that. That seems like uh, a solid argument on the surface, but it actually fails. And it fails because the reason that these activities were permitted in Muslim lands by Muslim uh, governments and religious authorities is not because, well, they're non-Muslims, they can do whatever they want. Rather, the rationale was, this is, their, this is part of their religion. It's a feature of their religion. And so we allow other, we have religious tolerance, and so we allow other people under our rule who are of a different religion to do whatever they want. I'm sorry, uh, to do whatever is part of their religion. If it's part of their religion, if it's a feature of their religion, they can do it. But not they can just do whatever they want, right? So, I mean... Because that analogy would be, okay, so Christians um, have wine as part of their uh, religious ceremony, their mass that they hold on Sundays. Some, sometimes in some denominations, there's, a, there's wine involved, right? Because it recreates the Last Supper, etc. So that's permitted. And most religious authorities have permitted that for Christians. That doesn't mean that Christians are, that Christians are therefore allowed to, you know, grow, process, transport, sell, and use heroin. It's, it's, we just don't. It's not just, well, they're not Muslim, so whatever. 
they can do it. It's no, this is a feature of the religion and we believe in religious tolerance. So this is an important point when we discuss the actual ruling. So we allow this on the basis of allowing other religions to practice their religion. Not because we take a total hands-off view of what other people should do. Um, number one. Number two, even if, even if we were to accept that, well, we shouldn't intervene to prevent people from doing... We're not preventing anybody from doing anything. We're not the authority in this country. The secular government is. And if the secular government wants to prevent somebody from doing something, let them. That, why should we intervene on either side? We need not support gay marriage necessarily even if we're not going to actively oppose it, right? Those are two very different things. Um, and that brings me to the third subgroup, um, which I haven't really heard from much on this issue, but I know that it exists out there, and that's the Muslims who take a libertarian point of view, which is we should have as little government intervention as possible, as little government regulation as possible, as little government um, intervening in our personal lives as possible. And so for that reason, they think that gay people should be allowed to get married. Well, that's, that fundamentally misreads the basic principle of their argument, which is we don't want government getting involved, which is fine. It's, it's a legitimate political position. You want as little government intervention in private lives as possible. Well, that, means, that doesn't mean that the government then intervenes and starts issuing licenses for gay people to get married. What that means is the government doesn't issue any marriage licenses. It's allowed to be uh, a contractual issue between adults, right? So it's not the state's function to be regulating it. And it certainly, in this cake shop case, um, would not entail that a government commission intervenes in a private business owner's affairs and tells him what he does and doesn't have to do and to whom he does and doesn't have to sell a cake, right? So that position wouldn't apply here either. All right, so that is, as far as I can understand, the, the entire spectrum of Muslims who support, uh, who would support the, uh, the, the two homosexual men against Jack Phillips, the owner of, the, of Masterpiece Cake Shop, and also pretty much encompasses the, the full spectrum of people who, Muslims who've been in support of gay marriage for some reason. Um, and the long and the short of it is, whether you're doing it for opportunistic reasons, whether you're doing it because... You think that, you know, gay love or love or, you know, whatever liberal concept of why gay people or, you know, minority rights or whatever it is, if you think that any of those things trump the, the sacred law, you're wrong on that. Um, and even the people who are aware that it's, that it's generally wrong but find some way in which it might be okay in this circumstance, I think that they're completely wrong as well. Um, and, I mean, it's a different level of wrong. They're, they're really sincerely trying to uh, do what Allah wants, but they've, they've arrived at the wrong conclusion as far as I can tell. Um, and those are the types of groups that were out here supporting um, this decision. And it's really the first two mainly were the ones who were uh, in support of uh, the, the, the lawsuit or in support of the charges against Mr. Phillips and who expressed dismay, disappointment, and... Uh, being upset at the Supreme Court's ruling reversing the the uh, Civil Rights Commission's holding against Mr. Phillips. Now, um, as far as the ruling itself, and this is going to be a little more intricate, um, we're, we're going to be discussing some of the issues involved, what the court 
precisely held and what that might mean going forward. So if you're not very interested in the legalese, um, you know, this may not be that uh, entertaining for you, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know that some people are interested in this and, and this is one of the reasons why we brought it up. All right, so the Supreme Court in a 7-2, to two, there's nine justices on the Supreme Court, in a 7-2 to two ruling reversed the Colorado Civil Rights Commission's um, sanction or whatever whatever the technical term is that they had against Mr. Phillips. Um, to understand this, we're going to have to get a little more into the into the details of the case. So the overview, as I went over in the beginning, is these two gay guys came and they wanted a cake for their wedding, and Mr. Phillips said, I'm a Christian, I can't do that. They complained, they filed charges, and he lost at the commission level, at the state court level, and then he won at the Supreme Court level. One in quotes. Um, the, the, the details are as follows. This case starts in, nine, in 2012. At that time, it says before Obergefell, so before the, the Supreme Court decision saying that gay marriage has to be recognized in all 50 states. Um, and at that time, Colorado did not recognize gay marriage. So um, I mentioned in the beginning that these, these two guys went to Massachusetts to get a marriage license because Massachusetts at that time did recognize gay marriage. And this is significant because what the Civil Rights Commission held um, in reviewing the charge against Mr. Phillips is that even though if these two individuals went to the their county office to get their marriage license recognized, they would be turned away. If they took it to state court, they would have been turned away. If they even tried to get a civil union, which is something less than a, than a marriage contract, but it is still a, a state-recognized union between two adults, that too would have been rejected. At every level, the state government and local government would reject their claims of being a married couple. However, you, a baker, have to acknowledge that they have the right to buy a cake to celebrate this fiction which is not even accepted legally in the state of Colorado, right? So that was their position. Now, why would the Civil Rights Commission take that position? Well, there was a law on the books in, in, in Colorado that said that you can't discriminate, and it's the, the general categories of protected classes, so race, gender, nationality, religious belief, ethnicity, etc., and included in that disability, and included in that is was and still is obviously sexual orientation so whether you like to have sex with people that are of the same gender as you as both genders or the opposite gender on none of those bases can someone discriminate against you on the basis of who you like to have sexual intercourse with that's in the law that's a protected class you can't be discriminated against for your for your for your sexual choices okay so the commission held that you're just you're being discriminatory. We ourselves as a state government are discriminatory as well because we don't recognize that two dudes can get married, but you can't discriminate against them for choosing to call whatever it is that they're doing a marriage. And so you're wrong and you are forced hereby to either make cakes for people in these situations or close down your business. Because if you don't make cakes for everybody that... If you're not going to make cakes for these people and people in, like them, 
then you can't make cakes for anybody. You can't be in business. It's one of the rules in our state. If you're going to do business with the public, you have to do business with everybody in every single circumstance. And now, they were wrong. On a, uh, it, it might seem like a technicality, but the, the Colorado Commission was wrong. And this is one of the arguments brought up by Mr. Phillips's counsel. Um, and from now on, when I discuss Mr. Phillips' uh, side, I'm just going to refer to it as him. Even though Jack Phillips is not making the argument himself in court, obviously it's his attorneys, but we'll just refer to him as the one making the argument because they're making the argument at his behalf. One of the arguments brought up at the Supreme Court in oral arguments for, for Mr. Phillips was that he was not discriminating against them for being gay. In fact, and the record proves this, he was more than willing to sell anything in his shop to a gay person. He would make cakes, and he offered these specific gay people. He said, if you guys want a birthday cake, a graduation cake, a cake to celebrate Flag Day, whatever, I'll make you a cake. I'll even make you one of the custom cakes. Um, let me take a brief second here to address. So it's not just that he didn't want to sell them a wedding cake, by the way. In fact, he was willing to sell them any cake in his shop. What Mr. Phillips, is, uh, what Mr. Phillips does specifically is he makes custom cakes if you've ever seen there's a show in the united states called the cake boss and there's other shows like that i'm sure where these people make these elaborate uh cakes they're not even really for eating they're more for like show right they're kind of like sculptures they're made out of edible materials um but they're shaped like buildings or they'll be shaped like a car or they'll be shaped like you know whatever whatever the case is right they make these custom cakes uh people come in and they go hey um, I'm having my uh, 25th wedding anniversary and we got married at a certain uh, church. Can you make a, a cake that looks like the church where we got married? Or I propose to my wife at the Golden Gate Bridge. Can you make a cake that looks like the Golden Gate Bridge? And these cake, quote unquote, artists, this is what they do, right? They don't just bake a cake. They make these really intricate designed uh, cakes. And this is what Mr. Phillips does. And that's what he does for weddings. He, you come in, it's not just like three tiers, white frosting and, you know, two little figurines standing on the top. These are custom works that he has to design. You know, it goes through a design approval. You look at the sketches, you decide if that's exactly what you had in mind. You work on it, you, you fine tune it, and then he goes and he makes it for your event. So this is very different than just a cake, right? Like this guy just doesn't want to bake them a cake. It involves some some level of skill, very specific skill, um, for which they make a lot of money. He gets paid a lot of money to do that as well. He should because it's a, it's a talent and it's and it's a skill that not every every baker uh, has. Anyway, so he said to them, "I'll sell you anything in my shop. I'll make you custom cakes. I'll go through the, all of the effort um, and all of the planning and all that stuff that we go through to make you a custom cake, which is not for a celebration of." you two guys getting married because my Christian beliefs don't allow that. It's just not permitted in my in my belief system. I'm not allowed to do it. I can't. I have to choose between my religion and what you're asking me to do and I can't I can't do what you're asking me to do in contravention to my religion. And for the record, and it's also in the record, in the court record, Mr. Phillips, this isn't the only kind of thing that Mr. Phillips refused to, to do. He also wouldn't make Halloween uh, cakes. Or, or cookies or cupcakes or anything like that for Halloween because his Christian teaching is telling him that Halloween is pagan holiday and we're not going to celebrate that. He had turned down previously as well people who asked him to make cakes for a divorce party, which, believe it or not, is an actual thing. Some people celebrate their divorce. 
they throw a party, and they have special cakes made. He refused to do those. He wouldn't even do bachelor bachelor party cakes, because usually those entail some kind of lewdness or... And he wouldn't make any cake that had any kind of sexual innuendo or was shaped like, a, uh, like, like uh, a body part. He wouldn't do any alcohol-themed cakes. So you come in and you go, oh, we're celebrating such and such, and we want a champagne, we want a cake that's shaped like a champagne bottle. He wouldn't do that either. He would turn those down. Anything that contradicted his religious beliefs, number one. Number two, he had no problem selling to gay people, people of other religions, etc. He just did not want to exert his specific talents and skills in making a customized cake for this specific event. And this is really important, and I, I keep emphasizing it because this is the core of what's going on here. You know, um, it wasn't that he was discriminating against gay people. If the stri- if 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 a Catholic if, if a Catholic nun came into his bakery and said, "Hey, would you make me a customized cake?" and he said, "Sure, no problem." And she said, "I want a cake celebrating, uh, you know, abortion rights." He would say, "No, it's not because of her. It's because of the message in, in, that's being uh, portrayed." And he just does not support that message. He also, I should know, he also turned down has turned down in the past customers that wanted something that was offensive, bigoted, racist anything like that. He just doesn't participate in any of that. He feels like it's his business and he doesn't want to do anything that's offensive to him or his religious beliefs and that's generally offensive so he wouldn't make like a racist cake at all, right? Um, And it's not... So the Colorado law and generally anti-discrimination law, what it says is you can't turn away customers because of their protected status. So you can't turn customers away because they're black or... Asian or um, you know whatever race you can't turn them away because they're a man or a woman you can't turn them away because they're gay or straight and he didn't do any of that if a straight person came in and asked for a cake that celebrated gay marriage not even a specific gay marriage but just had a message of yay gay people can get married and I want a cake that celebrates that he would say I'm sorry I can't do that it's not because of that person's sexual orientation in fact that person is straight it's because of the message in the cake and he just doesn't want to lend his voice to that um, now, one of the arguments made by uh, by the other side, by the two homosexual men, was that, well, it's not his message, it's our message. And so we're just employing him in the designing and building this thing, but it's really our message, so that he doesn't have to feel like it's his message that's going on the cake. That might have been an argument that one, except for independency of the case, while this case was, was coming up through the courts... Um, uh, an individual in Colorado went around to different cake shops, custom cake shops, and asked for cakes made in the shape of a Bible that would say something like marriage is between a man and a woman, or um, it's, a, it's, you know, quoting the passage in Leviticus that, that condemns homosexuality, etc. And he went to three cake shops and requested cakes like that and was turned down in all three, took his case to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, who said... No, you don't win. Those people don't have to put a message on the cake that's offensive. So, the same Civil Rights Commission that said that Mr. Phillips had to make a cake for a gay wedding, even if his religion teaches him against that, found that other bakers 
were free to refuse to make custom cakes for someone if they found that message offensive. And not they found that message offensive because of their core, deeply held religious beliefs, but just because they didn't like it. It was different from their opinion. They didn't have to make the cake. But Mr. Phillips does have to do something, even if it contradicts his deeply held, constitutionally protected religious beliefs. Because, by the way, there's nothing in the United States Constitution that protects people from, that says you have a right to, to have your political, ethical beliefs respected. But there is something in the Constitution. In fact, the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights says, government shall make, Congress shall pass no laws um, regarding an establishment, regarding the establishment of a religion or preventing the free exercise thereof, right? Can, Congress shall pass no laws. Specifically, religion is protected. And it's the very first thing that's protected in the United States Constitution. Further, during their proceedings, the Civil Rights Commission, um, one of, at least one of the members of the commission, one of the commissioners, said that, you know, they wanted to emphasize, said this on the record, I want to emphasize from our last meeting that, what was said in our last meeting, that, you know, religion has been used for all kinds of despicable things to support, you know, slavery, the Holocaust. This is a completely erroneous statement, that second one, by the way. And other other despicable things, and it's it's one of the most uh, something I don't remember the exact words. He said something that it was it was incredibly offensive, and it's one of the worst uses of um, one of the worst pretexts pretexts that people have is they use the religion to hurt other people. Right? This is on the record. So this commission was on the record as saying that the fact that Mr. Phillips was complaining about or was claiming that this was offensive to his religion is something that other people have used pretextually to commit heinous crimes against humanity, genocide, the transatlantic slave trade. This is what they're comparing it to. This is not a person that hates gay people per se. He's not turning them away. He's not refusing to do business with them. Simply, he just refuses to honor this one ceremony that he thinks is completely uh, and absolutely unacceptable in his religion. So um, the case goes to the Supreme Court. They are, the oral arguments are made. Now, one of the other arguments that was made that was not addressed in um, Justice Stevens' decision is Mr. Mr. Phillips said that he also had a First Amendment right of free speech, meaning his the way that he makes cakes, this customization process, this is akin to someone who makes a painting, someone who... And I'm sorry about there's some kind of construction or something going on apparently. If I'm sorry if you hear it banging, um, he argued that his making of these custom cakes is akin to someone who's a sculptor or a painter, someone whose artistic skill cannot be employed, doesn't have, can't be forced to be employed in pro in promoting a message that he himself does not believe in. And that his argument there, if if his cake making is considered artistic expression, is one hundred percent correct. The courts have the, in the United States, the court has never held that speech, whether it's actual words or artistic expression, that constitutes legally as speech under the First Amendment, that speech can be compelled. 
You can never compel someone to engage in a type of speech. You can prohibit certain types of speech. You can prohibit people from saying certain things. But you can never force someone to say a certain thing, whether with their words or through some kind of expressive act like uh, creating a, a work of art, etc. So compelled speech has never been held to be permissible. And his argument was this is a form of compelled speech. You can't. The government can't compel me to, to employ my artistic talents to produce what I consider to be a work of art. And the name of his shop is Masterpiece Cake Shop. To produce what I consider a work of art um, and to use my talents in that regard to put forward a message that I find offensive and contrary, by the way, to my constitutionally protected freedom of religion rights. He made So his side was making both arguments. A, that this is artistic expression and you can't compel it. And B, he also has a, a, a First Amendment protected right to be free of compulsion in his religious practice. You can't force him to make a cake for someone um, because it offends and violates his religious beliefs. The long and the short of it is that the United States Supreme Court avoided the big constitutional issues here. They really did. They they punted to use uh, um, to use the euphemism that's uh, that's cliched about when the court takes a ruling like this. What Justice Stevens, writing for the majority, did was say, "Well, in this case, it's clear that the commission had a religious bias. In fact." It's on the record that they said that religion is often used as an excuse to commit to, to commit all these heinous, terrible acts. And so, just on that basis, we can rule that this was an this was not an impartial uh, uh, government body that made the ruling. So, Mr. Phillips was subjected to a ruling from a biased arbiter, and therefore, we reverse their decision. Case closed. And. The court did not address whether or not his free speech rights had been violated, and they did not address whether or not what he does is even correctly considered artistic expression uh, under the First Amendment free speech law, uh, case law. They avoided that. They also didn't even address whether or not his First Amendment right to have his to freedom of religion was being violated. Except for in that very narrow way, and I know that if you've read anything, you've heard that this was a narrow ruling. This is where the narrowness really comes in. In that very narrow way, they said, look, his, his freedom of religion was, uh, was violated, not whether or not you can force him to make this cake, but simply because the people who made the judgment were clearly biased against him making a religious argument, and so he didn't have a fair shake at that level, and so we're just reversing it based on that. And we're not even going to address whether the First Amendment gives him a right as a religious person to refuse to do things that are offensive to his religion, or whether his uh, the the thing that he does as in making these cakes, these custom cakes, is artistic expression under the Constitution, and whether if it is that that would give him an exception to uh, anti-discrimination laws, or even if he discriminated against these two gay dudes for not wanting to do their cakes. Because he, it, there's still the issue was still open as to whether he was discriminating against the individual, or he was discriminating against the idea of gay marriage. So none of that's been addressed. 
so we don't know yet. And there's other cases uh, working their way up through the courts that may get more into it. There's one about a hairstylist. There's uh, there was a photography case in Arizona that I th I think should have been uh, heard by the Supreme Court about whether a photographer can be forced to take pictures at a gay wedding. By the way, I think that's even more clearly unacceptable. A photography has always been held to be artistic expression, just like painting, just like you know sculpting, and B you're really going to force someone to go and take pictures of a, 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 he has a deeply held religious belief that this is wrong and you're saying I don't care you have to go there and you have to take pictures of it and you have to make the pictures beautiful because that's what you're hired to do you're forced to actually go to the event and participate in it that case seems much clearer to me that the photographer would absolutely have to win in that case um, but in this case none of that's been decided so why is why is why are all these details on what the constitutional grounds are and what the case held and what it because the long and the short of it is all those three groups of Muslims who were opposed to uh, Mr. Phillips's position who supported the two gay guys and who um, subsequent to the ruling were all up in arms about oh we're going backwards and oh this is terrible and we stand by our LGBT uh, allies and whatever they're they're making a big deal about nothing. Because this doesn't give open season to anyone to do anything except for Mr. Phillips. All, all the ruling says is Mr. Phillips was Mr. Phillips wasn't necessarily wrong in rejecting this offer for to, to this offer for uh, to contract to make a cake for these guys, and even if he was wrong. The, the, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was even more wrong in the way that they handled it, so the sanction doesn't apply to him. That's the, this, this case literally only decides the case for him, and it doesn't create precedent for anything else, unless, of course, you're going to have another governing body somewhere that comes out and goes on the record and says, hey, we don't like you because of your religious belief, and so we're going we're gonna to bully you on this. Um, that's the only thing that... that, that that's the only real takeaway from this. It's not even clear that Mr. Phillips could go if another gay couple comes in and wants a wedding cake, that he could refuse them and not face sanctions at this point. It's not even, even that's not clear. So, for all of the people who are all upset and feeling like, oh my God, we're going backwards and this is so terrible and uh, this kind of discrimination can't stand and this country is, is calm down. First of all, it doesn't mean any of that. And secondly... Uh, it certainly is not something that's going to uh, be able to be applied now to other categories in which it would never be able to be applied, like you discriminate against people because of their race or whatever. None of that. Even if the even if the ruling was completely broad and was the it was the ruling that it should have been, the ruling that um, Justice Gorsuch and Alito and even Justice Thomas and their concurrences uh, talk about, even even that, um, even that broader ruling that said this man has a right as a religious person to refuse this kind of service even if that had been the ruling it would be it would still be very limited and it would be limited to sincerely held religious beliefs and not sincerely held belief religious beliefs that discriminate against people or classes of people but just against certain types of activities so even if that broad ruling had passed, and I, I, I really believe that that would have been the correct ruling in this case, constitutionally and ethically. I think that that would have been the correct ruling. But even if that had been the ruling, 
it wouldn't mean that you walk into a, 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 a store now, a bakery, as a Muslim and they go, I don't serve Muslims. That could never happen. That still would not be able to happen. The most that could happen is you walk into a bakery and you ask for an aid cake and they go, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm a very religious person. I will sell you any other kind of cake, um, but I simply cannot make you, you know, uh, a crescent and star green cake to celebrate your religious holiday because my religion teaches me I can't help you celebrate your religious holiday. And that would be perfectly fine, by the way. If anybody was up in arms and offend, any Muslim was like, oh my God, they're so discriminatory. No, they have a right to believe their religion and they have a right to follow their religion just like you have a right to follow yours. So that shouldn't upset you. They can't say, I don't serve Muslims. That would always still be against discrimination laws. But they can say, I, I would prefer, or I personally can't make you a cake of this design because that's that goes against my religion. By the way, you know what else would be okay? If you went into a bakery and you were like, I want a, I want a, a, a cake that celebrates Eid al-Adha, right? And I want it to be a sh- in the form of a sheep because, you know, we sacrifice... Um, we sacrifice on that day and the person is like a vegan activist baker and they go I, I can't do that I mean I'll sell you any other cakes and I'll make a cake for you for your holiday that says I celebrate Eid but I can't make it in the shape of an animal that I know because you guys kill animals and that's offensive to me I, I strongly believe in animal rights and I don't think that animal should ever be killed right is that person wrong is that person offending you is that person being discriminatory? No. They have deeply held beliefs. And they're just saying, although I don't want to be discriminatory, that certain thing I just can't do for you because that offends my core beliefs. And, and I think if there's any takeaway from this, it should be that, honestly, people's deeply, sincerely held beliefs, not some new made-up thing, not something that they're using as a pretext to engage in some other kind of discrimination, but a true, core, deeply held belief especially if it's a religious belief, that should be respected and it should be held at the highest level and it should actually supersede, you know, even if it technically violates some other state law, you know. Because honestly, you can't say that Mr. Phillips' intent was to humiliate and denigrate and, um, you know, mistreat these gay dudes who came into his shop you can't say that at all and that wasn't what his actions indicated and that's not what you find in the record all you find is that he said well I own this business and you want me to do something that's important to you but to me it's equally important that I don't celebrate that thing and that I don't help you celebrate it because to me it's very it's, I, I believe that that's offensive to God and so you're making me choose I'm going to have to choose not to be forced to do that and I think that that's the correct way to look at it we don't want to live in a society where our government can force us to, con- to, to go against our deeply held beliefs, core religious traditions, because they have some rule and some public policy uh, motivation that they think is far more important than what we believe, right? Because that's a slippery slope. The people that think that it's a slippery slope to allow quote-unquote discrimination, even in these very narrow terms, here's the slippery slope in the other direction, which is where the government just comes in and tells you what you can't and can't do. And that's what you have in many European countries, where people ban 
uh, niqab. They ban hijab. France, when they ban hijab in public in public institutions, what do you think? Where do you think that comes from? Countries now that are trying to ban circumcision for boys, countries that want to force you to be able to have to take an action or want to force you, want to want to prevent you from being able to practice even the basic fundamentals of your religion, and so you know. Uh, if you recall, I said when we were discussing the types of Muslims that were in support of uh, of the gay couple against the cake shop, or, or or who say that Muslims can be in support of gay marriage, one of them is the people who say they, one of the, the things that I mentioned is that they, they cite the historical precedent in the Muslim world for allowing other people to practice aspects of their religion. And yes, we're for religious pluralism, believe it or not. Islam does not oppose um, people having religious rights or being free to practice their religion um, as it is as, as it's been passed down to them traditionally um, even when it contravenes aspects of our religion and even when we are the ruling government in that land so to argue that the government in this country should be able to, to prevent other people, to prevent someone like Mr. Phillips from the free exercise of his religion and of his core traditional deeply held religious beliefs that have way longer precedent than gay marriage does that we, we should never be in support of a government having that power or of a government exercising that kind of power against the religious belief saying that our societal rules and our public policy is more important than your religious belief we should never be in support of that we should always take the opposite position which is that core fundamental religious beliefs even if they're inconvenient to us even if we find them objectionable that they should supersede uh, the government's power to interdict and prevent people from, from exercising those beliefs and those practices um, that is the real bottom line and by the way when I say that you know, the aversion to gay marriage has much longer precedent if you go, to, if you listen to the Doma case and the Obergefell case, and you listen to the oral arguments, you'll hear Justice Scalia say, make this point, and maybe another one of the justices as well, which is that there's no historical precedent for gay marriage, even in societies where homosexual acts were allowed, where you could publicly go around saying that you had. Um, sex with people of the same sex as you, right? Even in those societies which have have existed in some historical periods, ancient Greece, etc., even they never ever countenanced the idea that two men equals a, a, a family, or two women equals a, a family, and they're married, and that's a marriage. Even in societies that were very permissive when it came to who, who did what with whom sexually, even in those extremely permissive societies, the idea that this was a marriage was never, never acceptable. So, two men and two women getting married and forming a marriage or a family or whatever you want to call it, this is something completely new. It's made up. It's just in the last couple of decades. It has no basis in any human tradition, in any human society, uh, even, the, even the ones were, that had no problem with homosexuality in the public sphere so um, to, to put that as a right above Christianity it's a 2,000 year old religion 
with the biggest religion in the world, more more adherent than even Islam. To, to, to say that this new thing that people have come up with in the last, you know, 20 years max, that that somehow supersedes one of one of the largest world traditions, it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely unacceptable. And that Muslims would ever side with the government in barring someone's free exercise and practice of their deeply held religious belief, it boggles the mind. So... Um, anything I say is my position only. I don't necessarily speak for everyone in the Safina Society podcast team or at Safina Society. Um, I do know that I know at least some people agree with me. I, 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 and I'm not saying that anybody disagrees, but these are my positions specifically. And um, I hope that it's been uh, helpful in terms of understanding the case, the implications of the case. I'm sorry, before I finish, there's been some talk, and I, I engaged in it uh, online as well, about... Uh, just seems as this, uh, it's a particular uh, uh, you know I keep referring him that's not actually his name um, and I'm drawing a blank I don't know why I'm referring to him as Justice Stevens when I know it's not it's not Justice Stevens. Uh, Justice Kennedy. I apologize. Any time during the podcast that I said Stevens, I meant Kennedy. Stevens is no longer on the court. Um, Justice Kennedy. Uh, Justice Kennedy highlight highlights in his in his in the syllabus to his opinion, which is the like the abstract. Um, in the syllabus to his opinion, he highlights the fact that you know statements showing religious animus by you know the governing body or the, the adjudicator of the case, etc are considered in determining whether the, the the action or the law or whatever it is contains is was 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 done in violation of the first amendment free exercise clause and some people have been saying and like i said i, I i'm probably guilty of this as well uh, or i am guilty of this as well saying that this might have some implications in the trump v hawaii uh, case that the court is going to release a decision on shortly um and that's the case for the travel ban case aka the muslim ban um, I, I, having read more about it and having read the case more closely I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be true uh, I'm not going to make a prediction as to how that case is going to turn out I'm hoping that it goes 5-4 um, in favor of uh, in favor of uh, striking down the travel ban um, because I think it's just on a legal basis that that would be the correct thing to do but I'm not sure and I'm not sure that this language about religion and religious animus in uh, in Justice uh, Justice Kennedy's opinion here in this in this case is going to have any uh, is going to play any role in it. Aloha, we'll see. So uh, for the Safina Society podcast, I wish you a blessed rest of the month of Ramadan. Aid Mubarak. I hope you have a beautiful Aid. Hope that our fasts are accepted and your recitation of Quran is accepted and your Qiyam is accepted. And that your Eid is full of love and family and community. And um, hopefully we have a beautiful day where we all celebrate our Eid together. And uh, that the weather is nice and the kids have an opportunity to, you know, go outside and play and uh, have a good time. And freely celebrate their holiday. Um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.